Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. We have just a few segments left here on Inside Sources. I'm Ethan Millard. I'm filling in for Boyd Matheson today. And, you know, as we. Look, we. The, our struggle, our mental health struggle with social media is well documented at this point, right? I mean, it, no one is in denial about that. We all understand it. Uh, and I think we must feel it even more acutely in during the holiday. And it's so easy to do. You know, you see people and they've just got absolute works of art. Their homes are like Christmas museums. And we look at those things on social media and then we and then you and I, you know, the rest of us, we look at our houses and we see the pile of clothing and the, you know, no one's really cleaned the kitchen for a little while. Um, And we just think, boy, what's my problem? What's my problem? Well, let's talk through this. We've got a special guest. Jessica Holzbauer is a licensed clinical social worker at Huntsman Mental Health Institute. She's worked with children, teens, and families for over 15 years. She's on the faculty of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Utah and is a program manager for the Child and Adolescent Day Treatment Programs. I'm telling you all this so that you know this is a voice that I think we can get some real, real good solutions from. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us today. Ethan, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm quite uh, quite pleased to be here to to talk about social media and and mental health. Well, I'll tell you, I am I'm guilty of this, or I'm a victim of this. I don't know. I'm guilty of being a victim of this. I don't know how you put it, but I am one <laughs> of those people that will compare myself negatively to what I see on Instagram. But for me, it's Instagram. I'm not really on Facebook. It's primarily Instagram where I look at that and I think, boy. Jessica, I feel sometimes I feel like a loser. I do. Well, join the club <laughs> because you know the difference. I mean, I, I think that's really normal, right? And and because I think what's important for us to keep in mind is that so much of the content is curated on on Instagram, right? And, and in other on other platforms as well. There are not so many, you know, candid shots that that we see of of people when we covet, you know, their their homes or oh mm-hmm. gosh, their light display, you know, on on the front of the house. They they are done um, in such a way to make us have a strong response, right, to the works of yeah. art that they've created. I I think that's what the intention is, right? So during the holiday, 
how do you think we ought to manage this? I think there's a temptation to just, you know, set it aside and, and limit our screen time. And that's, that's hard enough proposition. It's a whole other conversation, sure. but do you, how do you counsel people during the holidays to, to keep their perspective? That's a great question. Um, and, and we do that in, in a couple ways. Um, and I think that the first and foremost is that social media is not social connection. And so one of the best ways that we can actually stay in touch with reality in our community is to increase our actual social connection. And, and I think holidays can be really difficult because it may be a reminder of loved ones that are no longer with us or, or people that we may not um, have as strong of a relationship with as we have in the past. And so I think to combat that, we really need to connect with people who are important to us, our neighbors, our, our community, and really get outside of ourselves. And, and for some, it could be giving back to the community, whether it's formal volunteering or informal helping you know, a neighbor do something that, uh, that would really benefit them. And then I, I think another piece of it, too, and, and this may not be popular, especially around the holidays, but it's also to stick to a budget as well, right? Because I don't think that most people have limitless resources to try to recreate what they've seen on on Instagram or have presents, you know, that go as as tall as their children right under the tree. And I think there can be a lot of power and satisfaction with creating limits, not only on social media use, but also where we put our finances as well during the holidays. Well, and I guess you could also see an emotional or psychological tie in there where if we get into a cycle where, social media is pushing us to overspend, then not only are we confronted with being upset that our life doesn't look like social media, and then we're upset at ourselves at how much we spend and and are are sabotaging our our own finances. Exactly. And I think it can feel really empowering to set that personal limit for ourselves, you know, with, with budgeting and then, you know, reach that, that goal or that, or telling our money where to go. And so I think that mm-hmm. people can really feel empowered by that. And, and I also want to say, you know, I don't think social media is altogether bad. However, I do think in small doses, right, it's best consumed. And so I think it's fine if people are on social media during the holidays, but they also set some limits for themselves. And that could be, you know, really setting a limit on one's phone, you know, through apps or through the, the actual settings in the phone or even setting a timer. Well, and I love the idea of replacing that screen time with real in-person time, you know, and, and filling out our schedule with real in-person interaction with people that we love and appreciate. And I think the idea of contributing, right, contributing in some meaningful way can also help increase our connection as well. And it doesn't have to be, you know, some grand gesture. You know, it really it really can be going over and, and helping a neighbor who you see, you know, fumbling around with lights on their roof and just holding the ladder for them. I mean, it can be really small gestures that strengthen our connection to the people around us. Yeah. I, I, I feel like maybe connection that participation, that connection um, is a strong strategy to use for our mental health, not not just during the holidays, but this must be a standard recommendation for you. It's a skill that we talk about frequently, especially when we get into a cycle of comparison. The One of the ways that we combat that comparison, we call it like the, the double C comparison, then we contribute, right? And so when we mm-hmm. contribute, we have a sense of, of meaning and, and purpose that is fulfilling, whereas comparisons often drain us. And so it's a really nice um, kind of flip of the script, if you will, when we are finding ourselves, you know, feeling jealous or, or envious or just, you know, kind of down on ourselves. 
Yeah. Well, um, what uh, have you got any good tips for a family that is hoping to limit their screen time? Not just parents, but kids as well. They're hoping to, to limit that screen time during the holiday season. I think especially to get kids to buy in, it's it's best if you make it fun, right? And so some families that I've worked with have actually created a competition of who can be on social media the least amount of time, and the winner gets some kind of cool prize or, you know, others have to do things, you know, for that, that person. Um, I think there's also really just practical things to do as well that, you know, from, you know, in between certain hours, everyone just puts their phone away. And so maybe it's during the dinner time, maybe it's during the middle of the day when people are just kind of hanging around. And so I think if the, if the family can do it together and it can be fun, then usually there's some more buy-in from, from everyone in the family. I love that idea of the, of the low screen time reward. It's like, it's like electronic device golf, the lowest score wins. Bingo. Yep. You're yeah. exactly, you're exactly right. And, and there are, um, you know, practical apps as well um, to limit screen time and, and really easy ways um, on your device as well to set those limits. If you don't think you'll be great at setting them for yourself, um, you can also do that, you know, through your electronic as well. Yeah. All right. Jessica Holzbauer is a licensed clinical social worker at Huntsman Mental Health Institute, and she's given us just some awesome insight and advice today. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for your time today. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Happy holidays. Hey, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, we're going to grab a quick break. When we come back, I learned something today. I learned something today about Pearl Harbor. In fact, this might be One of the most surprising things I've learned about Pearl Harbor, and I learned it just today, so I I suspect this is going to be new information for you as well. Maybe not for some of the hardcore history buffs, you might already know this, but it has to do with the First Lady, Eleanor Roosevelt, and I'm going to share that when we come back to wrap up the show today. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.